two, one. Welcome in Husker Extra Podcast. I'm Parker. They're simple, no Baz today. It's a it's a relatively nice day. The rain's coming this weekend, so Baz is out helping the fine folks and his family move. What? Somewhere. There's rain coming. Yeah, didn't you see the? They're preparing for inclement weather for uh, UNL's planned outdoor commencement ceremony on Saturday at Memorial Stadium. Where would they move it then? I don't. I don't think they would. I think it would just have to be off, probably. Off. Well, yeah. I mean, the kids will still graduate, but I don't. I don't know. I, I, maybe they might have to do something. Uh, well, sure, surely they'd move it into an f- indoor facility, right? Well, the thing about that simple is there's been this global pandemic going on and they're worried about having large groups of people indoors, sort of a new phenomenon. But there's <laughs> some concern about it still, even with vaccination rates going up and all that. So they wouldn't have anything. I don't think they'd pack them into PBA to the rafters or anything like that. I'm not sure. I'm not sure what they're going to do. They just said they're monitoring it, which that's good. Um that they tweeted that UNL tweeted out yesterday that they're monitoring the situation. And literally as I was reading the tweet, it started raining outside. And I was like, that's probably not. Probably not. I rode my motorcycle today. Are you no, telling me it's raining? This was yes, this was yesterday. Oh, this yesterday. Was, okay. Yeah. This right. is this has been a bad start. Um uh Levante David, by the way, graduating, the former Huskers. Yeah. Yep. Uh, we should mention that and a tip our cap to Levante David and Corral Buck Calder. Yeah. Um, and there's some Huskers graduating. So I went down this path. I don't know exactly who it is. I know one is Adrian Martinez. Um, and yeah, David Alston's another one of them. Um, I think Austin Allen is one of Austin them. Allen. Yeah, they were out he there before the spring game. And now I can't remember all of them. But Adrian Martinez, David Alston, Austin Allen, a couple of the walk-on defensive backs, I think. Um, yeah, there's a good group. Congratulations oh, to Matt, all of them. Matt Sichterman is graduating. We will publish their names. I, I, that they have my word on that. Your word is forged in titanium, as far as I'm concerned. So, I'm so <laughs> okay, I, we I, have. That wasn't even that. that. That was. I said that as if I was saying it in jest, but I, I wasn't. <laughs> I know. Now, listen. We have a lot to talk about, um, including, including what Scott Frost said on statewide. We just call the statewide radio. What were your takeaways? You covered it. Um, what there's about two or three big takeaways, right? Yeah, I was tuned in to the statewide radio. Um, yeah, I, I thought. I mean, it wasn't like a ton of new ground broken, but I, I thought. I mean, which isn't all that surprising. We had great access to Scott and a lot of other people during spring ball, so we, we were. I mean, we talked to him on Wednesday and Saturday last week, and then heard from him on the radio on Thursday night here. So. I thought the most interesting things were probably just the continued confidence and where the roster's at overall, um, you know, strength and depth wise. And, you know, he said the receiver group he thought was about there, which is even though he's been, even though he's espoused confidence about that group all spring and since the winter, really, that's probably the strongest statement he's made on that yet. And then, and then, sort of in a similar vein after two other times in the past week, sort of saying we probably won't explore adding a transfer quarterback. He really said it pretty categorically on the radio last night and then went further in saying, uh, you know, how much confidence they have in the progress that Logan Smothers, Heinrich Harburg, and Matt Masker have made as the group behind Adrian Martinez. So it was sort of like, 
they're, it's a projection, right? I mean, whether they're fully comfortable putting one of those three guys in a game right now doesn't really matter because they don't have any games right now. It's about where they're going to be in four months. So they're confident that one or more of those guys are going to be ready to go um, by August 28th if needed. And Frost basically said, yeah, you know, that's the, that's the path they're on and that's what we're going with. So that opens up the door to take essentially the two best available players in the transfer portal uh, over the next couple of months. And what an interesting conversation from the standpoint of there's a limited number of people that could question it. Uh, right, yeah, yeah. Are, are those three guys ready to be, to beat Wisconsin if they have to, to beat Iowa if they have to? Um, the, there's a limited number of people that could judge it at all. Right. And, and, those are, and those people are involved in the program because there wasn't a lot of people watching practice this season, the media only saw, saw the spring game. Uh, then in addition, one full practice and part of another. So we can't really, I mean, I can't based on what I saw really honestly judge it uh, right. in any kind of meaningful manner. So we just, you just got to kind of take the coach's word that they're good enough to make that work. It's interesting. Yeah, it's, it's very interesting. And, and with age, you know, they obviously hope, um, that Adrian Martinez stays healthy and plays the whole year and all of that. Um, you know, he hasn't done that. He's come close to doing that, but he has not done that in the first three years of his career in any of them. Uh, and at the rate he carries the ball, you know, it's just injuries are just part of it. He's played, he's missed some time and he's played through a lot. Um, and so that's obviously the backup quarterback. It's not quite like the Brett Favre heyday in green Bay where, you know, you don't miss a snap for, 12 years or something like that. Like that's not, that's not the way it's been recently. And that's not did Favre, the way did Favre not miss a snap for 12 years. Well, he, he played in 296 straight games, I think, or two. No yeah. Yeah. He's got the all time record. Yeah. For consecutive games played. What was I doing all that time? Um, that, that's, that's, that's impressive. Probably watching the Raiders. Yeah. Hey, um, so Adrian had a good, you'd say Adrian had an excellent spring. Yeah. I think, I mean, that's what it seems like. That was the. Right. So it's interesting because part of the answer is sort of, I think it's sort of undeniable and Frost didn't deny it last night. Part of the convert, this conversation that's become, I thought, I think much more part of the conversation just in the last five weeks is Heinrich Harburg in the quarterback room, because you didn't, they didn't really know. I mean, they couldn't even go watch him throw uh, before they offered him a scholarship. Then he, commits and he plays a season against C1 competition at Kearney Catholic and then shows up on campus in January and his progress. Now you saw him in the spring game. He's got a big arm. He's got a lot of arm talent. He's athletic. He's big at six, five. Um, and he also was eight for 23 or whatever, you know, it was, it was windy and all that, but he's a little bit wild as you would expect for a guy who as Frost is fond of saying should still be in high school right now. Um, but his talent, the arm talent, and the way that he progressed over the course of winter conditioning and spring ball is 100% part of the reason why they didn't feel the need to go to the transfer market. You know, I think that's – it's not just him. Obviously, Logan Smothers, they've said it had a nice spring and made progress too, and, and Masker's steady going into his fourth year in the system. But Frost talking about Harburg's arm talent, and, you know, he said – there are some throws he made in the spring that made everyone sort of 
stop and look around at each other. I mean, that's a pretty interesting picture of what, of, of just wondering what kind of progress can he make the rest of the, you know, summer and into camp. And then sort of, if you take the longer view, like what does that look like a year from now or 18 months from now? Right. Now there's an interesting, this, now if people are, if they didn't really follow this spring and are just listening to this, this round of spring football by Nebraska and are just listening to this, this podcast now, they're thinking Harburg must be number two. Now, now Frost was asked about Harburg last night on statewide radio. Right. He wasn't asked about Smothers. Right. He wasn't. So, so some of that, those glowing comments he made about Harburg, he also might've made glowing comments about Smothers had he been asked about him. And he has in the past, over the past couple of weeks, he's been very complimentary of Smothers. And he said sort of like, if you, they just have different strengths at this point in their career. Harburg's got a ton of arm talent and he's a big time athlete. Smothers is a good athlete too. He can really run. He's a 10, eight guy in the hundred high school. He's smaller, but he said he's really a frost likes to say he's really efficient. He makes quick decisions. He understands the offense. He's working on the arm part of it and the throwing the passing part of it. Whereas like that's sort of what comes naturally to Harburg. Harburg is just a year behind in terms of system familiarity reps and all that so yeah they're 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 in similar spots in that Nebraska thinks that both of them can get to a point of being a good backup by this fall and that they have both have really bright futures they're just like the boxes they need to check over the next four months and then the next you know year or two years those boxes are a little bit different for each of those two guys yeah they are different looking quarterbacks um the thing the biggest I mean, the one I say it all the time, I'll say it one more time. Um, I, it was really striking to me when I saw Frost looking up at Harburg because Frost is a big dude. He's 6'4. When you say Harburg's got good size, yes, 6'5, 205, 210. They list him at 190, but he's not. He's, he, is, he has said he's up over 200. So the picture of him is alluring, right? To a yeah. coach. The guy's 6'5", 205, and could run, and he's got a big arm. So there's a lot there to work with. Smothers has got to kind of battle this optic issue. Like one thing, Smothers, I guarantee you that is a factor in this is just the optic. Smothers doesn't look as impressive. Um, So Smothers has got to overcome that. Um, Smothers is probably a little better runner, though. Yeah. Yeah, some others can run. We saw both of them turn the corner at times on Saturday during the spring game. We can talk a little more about that, but it's really interesting. I, there's some – the pandemic, the way that that dead period worked over the last, you know, 15 months, and it's finally coming to an end. We'll get to that uh, three weeks from now, basically. But the way that that worked is some guys, I think their teams will find that they got the evaluation wrong on where, because they couldn't see a guy where they thought he could play and he can't. There's also going to be some guys who really would have had their recruitment take off more if they'd been able to work out in front of coaches. And you just don't quite know what you've got until they get to campus. And it'll be interesting with Harburg. I just wonder, you know, his recruitment was really in position to explode in the, in the spring of 2020. And it started to anyways. He picked up a bunch of offers, um, Boston College and, and a bunch of others. Um, before Nebraska offered and then he committed to Nebraska. But um, there's just so little – there was just so little really known 
when he got to campus. And now I think it's fair to say he made a favorable first impression over the past few weeks. Right. So that, that, that's the quarterback situation. Now the running back situation also was, that was a very interesting topic during the course of spring because we watched a couple practices where they were down. They were, well, one practice, they were down to two scholarship running backs and the other one, they were down to yeah, just it was a few. Right. Was I think two? twice that open practice, it was a different duo. One day it was, the first day it was uh, Marvin Scott and Gabe Irvin when we just saw the 30 minutes. And then the next time it was uh, Marvin Scott and Ronald yeah. Tompkins. Yes, it was Ronald Tompkins for the, for that open practice that we saw in its entirety. Yeah, definitely. It was Tompkins. Um, so, so we were, I don't know. I think most people were like, what's going on? You know, why, why are they only, I mean, you have seven or eight, about seven scholarship guys. Mm-hmm. Um, and you only, you're, you only have two practicing. It wasn't a great look. Um, now, now here's what happened though. Ryan held said in the last week and a half of spring guys got healthy and it, it, it got better. You know, guys were practicing. They got ready for the spring game. And then voila, in the spring game, we got a pretty good look at the young running backs. Second half, say, especially. Yeah, second half when they're tackling. Um, I, I came out of the spring game feeling a lot better about that position than I did going into the spring game. It's interesting. So f- follow follow my logic or lack thereof on this one, Sip. I, I, I was thinking about this and I was trying to figure out, okay, who do I feel really good about being involved at running back this fall? Is there anybody I feel really good about? And I, I think the guy who I would put the most money on right now, if I'm, if I was a betting man, which I'm not. Um, drum roll, please. Drum roll, please. Would be Gabe Irvin. Okay. Yeah. I, we're on the, we're in a, we're aligned on that. So, and then like, I also think Jacques Yant, who's a walk on and everyone has, you know, if you follow Nebraska football closely, you, you've heard the name uh, Jacques Yant, the Springs, one of the sort of up and comers of spring ball. I think you'll have a chance to be in the mix, but then, okay, like, let's, let's just take those two things, which don't seem too far out there on their, on what we know, which is sort of limited this spring. But then how, how many guys do you, like, how many guys do you have in a rotation when guys are healthy? Three, maybe? Yeah. Four? I think you need four. Okay, so let's just say Irvin, and they're hoping that Marquis Step gets healthy, and if he's healthy, then he's going to be in there. That's two. And then you've got this group of, so like Step, Irvin, then you've got let's this. Go Ir- of, let's go Irvin Step. Irvin Step. Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. Either way, I wasn't putting them in like a. Yeah. Uh, yes, I am. I'm putting okay. them in order. Irvin Step. Then, like, you've got all of these other guys. Savion Morrison, I thought it was the first time we've ever seen him play on Saturday. And it, he wasn't, he didn't like, it, he wasn't, you know, Gale Sayers out there, but he, it looked pretty good. You know, he caught a ball, he got 14 yards on a catch showed a little wiggle, showed that sort of like long strider that he was in high school. Um, so got then, some size. Yeah, got he's got some some, size. And he's got some size. So then after those the two guys that we've already talked about, you've got Morrison and Yant and Tompkins. And, oh, don't forget the guy that had the most yards in the game was Marvin Scott. And then you've got Ramirez Johnson, who didn't really practice that we know of because of an injury all of spring. So, like, 
I don't know. Like if, if I think, I think that Irvin and step are probably steps hurt and, and we'll see he's got to get healthy before he can be in the equation. But like, I think I would say those two guys are the best bets, assuming good health, but I don't think it's impossible that they would go into week one with a really good camp with Scott and uh, Tompkins or Scott and Morrison being like right in the mix or, you know, number even one Gant. type or whatever. even, even Gant. Gant. Yeah. So it's just really for as bad for, I, I don't want to say bad, but for as much time as that group collectively missed this spring, it's sort of like uh it's sort of like a spin the wheel situation in the fall. Like you don't know who it's going to be and you don't know if there's going to be like a true game breaker back there, which of course you'd prefer to have that. But I also wonder if they just feel better about the numbers right now. If you're Ryan held, if you're saying like, I believe that someone will be able to do it. I don't know who that is yet, but I, I, I'm heartened this spring that I think someone will be able to. I mean, that's sort of a glass half full thinking of it, but yeah, after, you could make yeah, that. I think you could make that argument if you're Ryan. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Now he's asked his guys to have a Rocky four mentality. I'm starting basically right now. Um, and that means eating properly, training, doing the little things, working out on your own running pass routes, um, getting back in the playbook. Now, I don't know. I mean, that, that, that see that the reason that uh, position is interesting is because those guys are unproven. Uh, Marvin Scott played spot duty last year. Ronald Tompkins played spot duty last year. Who else? Oh, Ramir Johnson played spot duty last year, but we didn't see a lot of them. Um, so we don't, we still don't know. <laughs> we still don't know a lot about Right. So, yeah. So it's really it's really fascinating. But but again, I saw enough of Gabe Urban. Um, I th- I thought just seeing him for you know ten carries, nine carries, whatever he got. I thought there's a lot that. Listen, Parker. Here's the deal with running backs. Okay. You either are or you aren't usually at that position. That's not a big development position. It's not a position where it happens that guys are way better as juniors than they are as freshmen. Um, Domino Zigbo is a good example, but usually it's a, you are, or you aren't. And they got, a, they got guys that look like they are to me. I mean, Sevian Morrison looked like that. My, the first impression I got of him was really favorable. Gabe Irvin looked like that. Um, he looks like, he looks like a running back. Uh, so I think they're, I think they're in decent shape there. They're just, young and unproven most amazing it's it's funny i mean the to think that they had and i I, this there's it's a long way from this actually happening but to think that they rolled through a number of young guys last year behind Diedrich mills and that this year theoretically you could end up in it with some combination of irvin uh step morrison yant none of whom played a down for nebraska Last year, two of them weren't even in the program. Oh, it's interesting. Yeah, it's you know, really it's it's yeah. it's like, uh, and if you're Marvin Scott or or Ronald Tompkins, you're probably thinking like, hey man, I got to put the pedal to the metal this summer uh, if I'm going to be in the mix here. And, and Marvin Scott, you know, he ran the ball pretty good on, on he had he had good numbers on Saturday. He had one long run, 
that boosted. I think he finished with the most rushing yards out of all those guys, 75 and a touchdown. Um, but yeah, that's a, it's wide open. And, and Frost and Ryan Held have both said it's going to be wide open, probably pretty much up until game week. So. Yeah, Frost said he wants a lead dog to emerge. Um, and, and I think we both agree that Irvin has the best chance, but nobody's, nobody's going to hand him anything. Um, so that's a, yeah, that position we've talked about a lot and we can move on. Uh, I say we move on to the injuries a little bit. Honus Frost talked last night about Will Honus. What did he say? Oh, it's just a terrible situation. You just feel for a guy like Will Honus, who was a six year college player could have, you know, could have called it for his college career after 2020 had a nice year, but felt like he had upside came back. Uh, had a nagging groin injury, missed most of spring, and literally just came back on Wednesday, practice number 14 out of 15, last practice before the spring game to do some drill work and had a non-contact uh, knee injury while he was going through drills. Torres, you know, ha- had knee damage, require surgery, you know, six months plus. So whereas Frost right away said that Thomas Fedoni is going to try to be back by the middle of the season – he was not nearly as committal with Will Honus. And it's, I think it's obvious why. I mean, Honus has already played five years in college and he's also already had a major knee injury. Remember he was just getting going in 2018 when he first got to Nebraska as a junior college transfer. Uh, and I think it was against, was it in that Michigan game? He got hurt either in that Michigan game or the week after that in 27 or 2018, excuse me, and missed the rest of the year. So he's five years older than Fedoni, four or five years older than Thomas Fedoni. He's already had one major knee injury. Now he's got a second. It's just Frost said that that Will wasn't going to rush any decision-making process, but I don't know. That's going to be tough for him to gear it up to to try to go through to get back to playing maybe a couple games at the end of the year where the alternative would be to just – obviously attack rehab and try to get it together, but thinking more about next spring and a pro day and, and, and really getting healthy and in shape for that rather than trying to rush it back to playing a couple games. I don't know. That's a tough call. And it's a one that's really shitty for, for Will Honus to have to make it this. Oh, absolutely. Parker. Um, As far as a ramification. Yeah, it is. I mean, yeah, football is brutal. It's unforgiving in a lot of ways. Now, it's and it is a loss for the defense. Now, they, it's a loss they can absorb mm-hmm. um, more easily than they could some injuries. Um, you have Chris Kolarovic that's come in from UNI and made a big impression. Of course, you have Nick Henrich um, and Luke Reimer. And those guys are good. I mean, they, they, I would say that's – you would probably start with that threesome now, as you wrote, you wrote it um, in your uh, who they might look for in the portal story. It does drop off a little bit after that, um, not necessarily in talent, but for sure in experience. Yeah. So that's something to watch. But those those guys, Luke Reimer, Nick Henrik, and Kolarovich, are good players. But as you pointed out, all all of them have an injury history that you have to be sort of mindful. Yeah, Reimer's missed time. Reimer, I mean, remember last year, Reimer played really well for the most part, but there was, he missed a game because of an ankle injury. And then when he came back, he went down a few times and was, and he just sort of had a balky ankle through the year. And he's had 
other stuff. Henrich has had, you know, Henrich had the knee injury his senior year of high school and then had shoulder surgery too, since he's been in Nebraska. And he was, he was reveling uh, when we talked to him early in spring ball about being healthy. He felt healthier than he had in a long time. Then he didn't play in the spring game. It didn't look, I mean, he was down there. It didn't, he didn't have a boot or any big brace or anything like that, but you know, it's just, he's, he's dealt with it over the course of his career. And then Claire, you know, Klarvik missed, had a right foot injury and it cost him the end of 2018, the last few games of 2018 at UNI. And then the first few games of 2019, I said, it took him all, he said it took him almost a full calendar year to recover fully from this foot injury. So, you know, it's crazy. Kalarvik was joking with us um, a couple of weeks ago that they have 17 guys in the inside linebacker room. They have a bunch wow. of walk-ons and, and all that, but like, you're not, I mean, I thought there was definitely promising signs from guys like uh, Randolph Kapai and Seth Malcolm on Saturday during the spring game, but those guys got a lot of physical maturing, oh, yeah. you know, yeah. and you couldn't and, put a couple of those guys in a big 10 game. No, not right away. I mean, they, they, they both look like they're good athletes and, you know, they got every chance to be really good football players. But then they're adding one this summer in Makai Bayer from New Jersey, who's probably the most like physically ready of that freshman group. But he's coming off a knee surgery, too. Um, so maybe not, you know, not right away. So they just they've got a lot of bodies in there and there's some guys that like Barrett's really come to appreciate having in his room. I think, you know, the Garrett Hustedts and the, um, you know, the, some of those guys that have been walk-ons in that room for a long time now, but they're the guys that you're talking about. Are you comfortable putting them in a game after the top three really are Garrett Snodgrass, Jackson, Hannah, and uh, Va Malga Clements. So it's like those three guys, they're either, they're, you're either ready to rock and roll and, and spot duty and have them step into a rotation. If one of your top three goes down uh, or you're not. And that's a, uh, there's a lot of bodies in that room, but I think, I think they have to make a determination whether they, how good they feel about those young guys. Snodgrass played a little bit last year um, after Colin Miller went down Yep, as they sort of dealt with the fall, like that game. And then maybe one other game too. He looked fine. You know, he, he held up. All yeah. That. He's going to give it. Holy hell. I mean, you know that Yeah, um, they're in good. They're, they're, they're Barrett. I think Barrett quietly has done a good job with that position room. Like it's, it's in pretty good shape. You don't look at that position room and go, Oh my God, what's he been doing? No, it's there. They're in position to withstand a very, a big injury. Now the Fedoni injury too was big. We've talked about it. Um, that's the kind of guy now, I'm really lost in this this discussion, and I thought Dirk Chatlin wrote a really good column, the World Herald columnist, about uh, Nebraska's lack of draft picks in recent years. Um, he pointed out he pointed out that Nebraska hasn't had a play hasn't had a player picked in the top four rounds in the last five years. Um, okay. Now, listen, Parker, there's only two other schools in that category, Georgia Tech and Arizona. That's terrible. That's a terrible, that's a terrible category to be yeah. in. And, and I get incensed when people try to tell me, don't ever get me started on this. Oh, Sip, they've had enough talent. I, how can you look at the draft and, and then, then tell me they've had enough talent yeah, no. to compete right. for the Big Ten titles? 
that is an incredible stat. They're, they've only had six players drafted in the last five years, which is an, it's an insanely low number for a program of this magnitude. Now, the reason I bring that up, Parker, is because Fedoni is the type of guy that you think eventually can break through right. and be yep. maybe be a first-day guy, you know, or for sure a second-day guy. Right. And Parker, let's face it, we're covering a program that if they're going to get where they want to be, you have to start putting guys routinely in the top four rounds. Yeah, absolutely. And really. And really, yeah. Parker, you got to get guys on the first day. I mean, you well, really Northwestern had two. Northwestern had two of them this year. Exactly, they were in the Big Ten championship game. Ah, oh, but Zip, that Nebraska has all all the talent that Northwestern has. No, they don't. Yeah. They don't have all the talent that Northwestern did this year. Okay, so no, Nebraska's got to do better. Fedoni's the kind of guy I watch closely because he was the number one ranked tight end in the country and. He has a sort of athleticism that might be able to develop into that type of player, like a, like a Noah fan. Right. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, and then Parker, think about what we're saying. Those guys, the Amir Abdullah's, the Levante Davids, the Randy Gregory's, they went, they, they literally are the guys that can put you over the top in close games. Hmm. We've, we've seen it. We've seen it the other way. What happened? You were covering the game in Iowa when the, when Iowa beat Nebraska in Frost, was it his first year? Um, they went to TJ, TJ Hawkinson. Yeah, Hawkinson late. Right. Yeah. Like this last year, this last year was uh, Chauncey Golson, right? Made the yeah. Yeah. swim move on, on uh, Matt Farniak, beat him clean and sack Martinez when they were going. Where was he drafted? Fourth round, I think. Fourth round. So, okay. TJ Hawkinson was a first rounder. Okay. Who, how did, how did Iowa win that game? He didn't do that much a lot of that game, but when they needed a big play, they go to the first rounder. Nebraska doesn't have a first rounder to go to. That's what, that's how you lose those games. So that's why the Fedoni injury is big to me. And that's why we, and, and you do a great job of covering recruiting. You have to watch that part closely. They have to start getting frost knows it too. They have to start getting those difference makers or we're just going to be covering 500 teams till the end of time. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I mean, that, that you know, that Cam Taylor Britt has really turned himself into. Yeah. I don't know about a first rounder, but like he maybe you know he yeah. if he has a really good year, it's not out of the question. Certainly, you know, first half of the draft type of yeah. profile, and then you can start to see the and I don't, we don't. It's hard to say this. The guys have up to three, four years of eligibility left, but you're starting to see the signs of it with a guy like a Ty Robinson you know, with a guy Turner like Corcoran. Turner Corcoran, um, with a guy like Fedoni. I mean, it's, there's a lot of projection now. Like I've never seen Thomas Fedoni running around. I mean, just one day that open practice. So yeah, long way to go on that. But like the flip side of that conversation is like, you know, Ty, Ty Robinson's class, unless I'm mistaken, like they're draft eligible after this year. So, you know, that's the, that's how it goes. So the, you need, those guys, those difference makers, like you say. And the thing with Fedoni is Nebraska has coverage at tight end with, with Austin Allen and Travis Volkluck. I mean, that should still be one of the better pairs in the Big Ten, if we're being honest. Like, they've got the size, they've got physicality, they've got a nice range of skill set. You just wonder what Fedoni would have looked like in August, and then you wonder what he would have looked like in November. 
you know, and the sort of track he's on when you hear Sean Beckton say just the amount of progress he'd made in spring ball. So for me, like on that one, I don't know. It's, 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 it's you'll, we'll never be able to say categorically whether what Fedoni would have made a difference win loss wise until he gets back. Just it's one of those things you'll never know. Yeah. I'm not necessarily it, saying he would have been the difference maker this year, but it would have made a big difference for him. It like, that's yeah. the thing that it really like it's, he, he's a hard worker. He's a talented guy. You know, he'll attack it and all that. I don't think anybody, you know, in the program worries about that at all, but you just wonder what five healthy months would have done for him rather than five months of rehab. And that's the, that's the ground he's sort of tasked with making up. Again. Yeah, for sure. Now at that position, you mentioned Austin Allen. I, I wish I would have mentioned Austin Allen as a guy that could be, he's going to get drafted yeah. now it'll just depend on how high he gets drafted. It will depend on his production this year, but he's, uh, he's draftable right now. And if he would, if he Parker, if he would get 35 catches, 30 catches, he might be a top four round type guy. Um, it's going to depend on what he runs too. Uh, Cause he's so huge. I mean, he's just, he's six, eight and two fifty five or two sixty, And if athletic. he, if, yeah, and depending on how that – I mean, production obviously is going to matter and his route running and all that is all going to be the biggest determining factor, but then it's also going to come down to how he runs and what his athletic profile looks like and all the testing stuff. Yeah, I, I know I, I went off a little bit, but that that subject is really interesting, and it is that, – that is – there's a – you know, you're always trying to look for things that make sense to you and why things are the way they are, and that is glaring. The Nebraska's lack of draft success is glaring. Um, the NFL, that draft is a big, I mean, that's a big, you can use that to determine, you know, who's, who's getting the right guys because come on. I mean, those, I mean, they're, they're so highly scrutinized um, before they can get to that level. Well, what one more thing, one more thing to touch on before we hit the wrap up here, simple related that, uh, Last week on Friday, Nebraska broke ground on the new football training facility. Oh, yeah. So beginning in 2023, there'll be nothing but five stars, right? Once that thing is. <laughs> no, but it's related. Going. Yeah, it's related. Yeah, it's related. Yeah. Yeah. It, the, the way I put it, Parker, is that facility, it doesn't guarantee anything in recruiting, but it does help. I mean, it, it can't help, but help. I mean, it's yeah. no guarantees here, but. Okay, or I, a better way to put it is it, it it guarantees nothing, but you have to have it. Yeah, there's no way Parker they could keep going another five years without a major facility upgrade. They they're already, and I don't know. I, I I'm interested to hear what you think about this. You travel and you follow this stuff. I can't. There's no way Nebraska ranks in the top half of the Big Ten in terms of facilities. I don't think you could even say they are in the top two thirds of the big 10. I think they're in the lower stages. I think they're in the, in the, in the, uh, I'd say 10 to 14 range. Well, I think even in the West, right. I mean, even in the West, just in the last three years, I, I would say roughly you've seen Illinois, Northwest, uh, Northwestern and Purdue. Pur- all Purdue. Open. Yeah. Yeah, all open brand new um, facilities. The north, the, the, the northwestern on the lakeshore is incredible. Um, yeah. And Illinois was ninety million, and it's an athletes' village. 
Um, and Purdue with 65 million is football. It's pretty much football only, but they have the similar, like at Purdue, they have what Nebraska was going for here where um, practice facility stadium and the complex is all connected. Um, there's, and, and we heard, um, Matt Davison talk about that again on Friday last week. There's just not very many places in the country where that's possible. And one of the things that lined up about this project for Nebraska is that that Edward track site, um, nostalgic as the, that track facility is that location's the one I remember Matt, um, when they first announced this thing in September, 2019, he said, he remember, he's got a aerial on, on the wall in his office or something like that. And he, he would just point at it and say, that's the spot right there because, of the proximity. So it's interesting. Frost talked a little bit about it last night on the radio too. His comments were really brief at the groundbreaking ceremony uh, last week. One of the things I thought was interesting, and this goes to the sort of the recruiting, but also the development aspect is he said, we, the thing about this is it's going to be state of the art and there's going to be bells and whistles and all that. But like he said, it's not about being flashy or showy. It's about having the absolute best tools scientifically, nutritionally, strength-wise. Like it's a it's not about having slides or waterfalls or you know, this, that, mini golf. Things. What about mini golf? Yeah, mini golf. Yeah, mini golf would be sweet. And I don't mean a slide and mini golf sounds like I'm picking on Clemson. I'm not at all. Um, that's an amazing facility they have. But the 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 focus here is very much on like how do we build the best possible environment to develop um, the kids that come through here. So it's going to be really interesting to watch it turn from a track stadium to a giant hole in the ground. and then watch So it Parker, we have to describe to people that don't know where it is. It's right. So on the West side of the nope. Northeast corner side, of the stadium. Yeah. So the Northeast corner of the stadium, but like for people that are familiar with volleyball would be right next to where the NU Coliseum is. Yeah. So and it faces out to the south. So it is in, it is right on campus. And that is the okay, so for a guy like me that's been around forever, that always remembers Nebraska's kids going in the West Stadium. That's so far from campus. Mm-hmm. Um, now they're right on it. I think that I mean they'll walk out of the front door of this facility right on to campus. Yeah. Which is a beautiful thing for the kids, I think. Yeah, it's. I mean, you walk out the front door of the facility right onto East Stadium, you know, Plaza there, and the yeah. business school is yeah. right there, you know. So right. it's really, and that's what Frost talked about that last night too, of like, you know, that assuming they can get the, the they have twenty million more to raise for this project overall, and if they can get it raised, then they're going to just fill out the whole project in one shot. It's it's approved by the Regents right now of being a phased project, but the last twenty million is essentially. Um, finishing the part of the building that's the training table and the academic center. And when they get all that done, you know, it's Frost was saying like, it's going to benefit everybody on campus. You heard Amy Williams talk about this too, um, the women's basketball coach last week, like just to have, it's so centralized, like people might not be fully familiar with this, but the academic center, Dennis LeBlanc and their, their operation, you know, it's down on the, it's down on the ground floor of West stadium right now. That's just, you know, if, if you're not a football player, like if you're a football player, you're in the stadium a lot, the locker rooms in North Stadium, whatever, that's pretty convenient to have the academic center right there. Yeah. But if you're a volleyball player, 
you know, that's a long way. You're going a long way to go to the academic center in West Stadium, or if you're just a normal, you know, track athlete or whatever. So it's going to be much more centralized and it's going to be, I mean, the renderings of it are amazing already. And then, you know, it's, it's a, it's a massive, it's a massive project and it's going to take a long time. They're going to moose, uh, very enthusiastically described to me the exact manner in which the bulldozers are going to move in on parade or whatever, but, uh, they're thinking June, they're hoping and by June, they're going to be out. I'm sure they'll be out there staging and all that, like in the next you know couple of weeks, but, uh, by June, they're hoping to do the demo, the demolition of the track stadium. And then it'll be on from there. Yeah. Moose likes those big mounds of dirt and cranes yep. and back loaders and dump trucks, front loaders. Remember um, that story he told about Washington state. They just put the, they just put the dump trucks out in the field. No, that was in Oregon. He was in Oregon. Oregon. Yeah. He, he, Oregon state. Yeah. He tells a really funny story about how when he was the AD at Oregon, they didn't have an indoor complex. Oregon state was coming to town to play. And he had this bright idea to put a bunch of dump trucks and front loaders and have his buddies um, put huge mounds of dirt and then make up a big sign. that says future home of Oregon's indoor football complex just to kind of mess with Oregon state. There were no plans. There were no plans to do it. He just had friends in the construction business, um, asked him for a favor. And that's how he got it going. That's how he eventually, because Phil Knight came to him and said, Hey, what the hell, what are we, what are you doing here? (laughs) And and that's how it all started. Moose went to Knight, And the first time he met with Phil Knight about it, he walked out of his office with a $3 million check. Um, and then, you know, then the whole thing got rolling. Um, so Moose thinks that way and Moose, what Moose is really proud of, but just one other thing is he doesn't, he can't talk enough about how they're going to put the historical elements of this right in the opening walkway. Yeah. The history of the program will be very apparent to everybody who walks in from the moment they walk in. So I, Parker, I don't get all that excited about this kind of stuff. But I will say this, where they're putting that is super cool. The fact that they're incorporating the history of the program is super cool. I am happy for the student athletes that they're going to have a spot that's on campus, not in the heart of campus, but close to the heart of campus. Yeah. I mean, if you, where they're at right now, Parker, it's literally a, a 90 second walk to the student union. Um, and I think there's a lot to be said for that. Um. Should we go around the, should we just do a little whip around here this, this week in, in Husker sports? Otherwise we've got. Yeah, that'd be Bay- good. Or, or, or you can kind of, as a beat writer, what, what's next for the Huskers? Like May 17th is when they reconvene. Oh uh, yeah. May 17th. Not very long at all. Uh, they'll be back uh-huh. at it. Um, and that they're going to start winter con- or uh, summer conditioning. Um, and it'll be, it's going to happen quick. I mean, the, the new kids, the, the, the freshmen that were not mid-year enrollees will get here about the beginning of June. Same time, you know, June 1st, we'll, this is what we'll talk about the next couple months, but uh, the recruiting is just going to be the Wild West um, beginning June 1st with official visitors and all that. So uh, Friday Night Lights camps on June 4th and June 18th, big official visit weekends around those. Um, other camps, the Pipeline camp, the lineman, the, that uh, Adidas lineman camp. So all that's going on. Um, they got an eight week summer conditioning period. Yeah. That begins basically in 10 days. 
um, with a week off in the middle. So eight weeks of work over nine and then preseason camps coming early because of the week zero game. So honestly, like it's May 7th now um, it's July 28th or 29th when they start camp. So when you think about, they want to have their winter conditioning program done by say July 20th ish um, to get those guys a, a down week before starting camp. Like, it's a short summer and it's going to get busy quickly uh, for Nebraska. So. Yeah. Um, whip around uh, tip, tip of the cap to Kate Smith for being the big 10 uh, women's golf champion, which is amazing. Um, yep. And then Nebraska, did they finish tied for second um, as a team? Yep. And then tip she was, in, go ahead, go ahead. Paul. Yeah, no, go no, ahead. go ahead. You were going to, you were going to tip your cap to the Lisa Kobe. Johnson. Yeah, who's in her? Who's I believe in her second year and already and already got that thing going at a high level. The big the the Nebraska women's golf team. I mean, you can't. I mean, that that is really a a major accomplishment. Uh, and then Kate Smith also invited to represent the U.S. in the Arnold Palmer Cup in June, which is cool. Anytime you get the chance to wear the red, white, and blue, that's pretty sweet. So yeah, absolutely. Um, and then baseball on the not so good front baseball uh, last weekend amidst all the hullabaloo of the facility project and the spring game and a super nice weekend weather-wise and all that got swept by Rutgers who which by the way Rutgers has been sort of like a road warriors this year they've, they've really played well um, but they get a chance to right the ship this weekend it doesn't get easier from here though for, for Will Bolt's team as they try to hang out of that tournament berth and, and, and continue to be in good position. Parker, they go to play in, they go to this, this weird pod in Jersey where they play Indiana and, and Rutgers. Yeah. Okay. Now this is going to be defining. I, I I'm extremely interested in the baseball in what baseball faces this weekend. Indiana is the league leader. Okay. So they come out, Nebraska comes off this really disappointing deflating as Will Bolt said three games sweep at home to Rutgers. Now they go play in, in, in New Jersey against the league leading Indiana Hoosiers and also have to play Rutgers. So we'll see how they come out of this. Their bats have gone silent, you know, and that's what happens in baseball. You know, you go through slumps, teams go through slumps. They, they hit one at a bad time. Let's see if they could come out of it. And their, and their bullpen blew up. I mean, their bullpen had been really strong. And then last week sort of inexplicably uh, lost its way. There you go. That's what else do you need? I don't know. That's a good, that's a good question. Uh, <laughs> we try to avoid long slumps here at the Husker Extra podcast. We've been on a pretty good roll recently. We might've had one down week weeks ago, um, but otherwise we're rolling along. There's a lot going on. It's going to be even with spring ball over, I think. Um, there's going to be enough activity through the month of May, and then it's going to get crazy on the recruiting front in June. Um, and then baseball, obviously, stretch run and all that. So uh, plenty going on. You can find all of it at HuskerExtra.com. Please consider subscribing. we got some remarkably inexpensive deals where you can get several months of the Journal Stars coverage. And right now, six months will carry you well into football season. So uh, do that. Check HuskerExtra.com for all the latest. That's simple. I'm Parker. Thanks for watching and listening, and we'll talk to you next week.